I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. Uh, I want to start out by saying thank you guys so, so much for the support y'all sent on the first episode. was blown away by it tripled every number that I thought I was going to hit in terms of reviews, listens, shares. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm happy to bring this content to you guys. Uh, today, we have a fun little episode. Uh, I said I was going to bring some guests because I don't like talking to myself for 35 minutes. Uh, so decided to, and I was very happy that both Aaron Roundtree and Stephen Pendergrass uh, decided to join me on today's show. Thank, welcome, guys. What's up? What's up? Appreciate you having us, Cam. Um, both, if, if you're newer to the Wake scene, both of them played at Wake Forest um, in the last decade. You know, while some people like to make it the quote-unquote forgotten decade, I really like want to highlight some of these guys. And, you know, just because the team wasn't exactly what we wanted to be, they all still worked. And I'm really happy that they're here. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to start with Tree. Um, just can you tell us a little bit about how you got to Wake Forest and kind of where you're at now? <laughs> um played high school ball, of course. Uh, me and Cody Miller-McIntyre were actually AAU teammates. So Cody committed first. Me, Cody, and Dre actually all played together. Cody committed first. Him and Dre with the hard grade together. And then Dre committed. And then they kind of just recruited me super hard. And then Coach Battle was at all of my high school practices, basically all of my games. He called him and Coach LaRue probably called me at least twice a week. So just fell in love with Wade. Then I played with, I played with Team CP3 for AAU. So... I've had people pushing me towards Wake for a long time. <laughs> the sensational um, seven. Yeah, but I say yes. Yeah. So I was number I was number three out of seven, and then obviously Avalanche from there, and then I started recruiting some other people. Taller, Madison was one of my good friends from high school. So yeah, that's how I got to Wake, and how the rest of the seven after me got to Wake. Steve, what about you? <laughs> Uh, a little bit less glamorous, uh, not not on the recruiting trail, but uh, you know had uh, had family in North Carolina, so I visited a lot of a lot of different schools: Duke, UNC, Wake. Uh, my older sister went to Duke, unfortunately, um, <laughs> but ended up ended up coming to Wake just academically, um, and then was a student manager freshman year, and then had the opportunity beginning a sophomore year to, to go to open tryouts and, and made the team with, uh, with Trent Van Horn my sophomore year. I haven't heard Trent's name in forever. What's <laughs> he up to now? He's doing uh, great. He's play, a neurosurgery a resident now, right? in Charlotte. Oh, I just well, played against him in a, in a church league. I was going to say playing, playing men's league with tree. <laughs> me, me and Trent play in an old people league at a church. <laughs> Talk about a place we need to get some cameras rolling. <laughs> I, oh, God. Maybe some ice bags everywhere. <laughs> a lot of hard fouls between me and Trent and Church League. So, uh, Tree, I know you played overseas, and obviously there's a bit of that talk a little bit right now with you know, Jake LaRavia kind of exploring his options, Dallas Walton. What's that process like when you sort of declare and kind of go through, you know, what's the next step for me? 
I'm going to age myself a little bit here. When I was playing and when me and SP were playing, if you declared, you were gone. So I guess the most memorable one for me would have been a name y'all probably haven't heard in years. Aaron Thomas from Florida State declared early. He was all ACC and declared early. And obviously it would have been different if he could have came back because he would have he would have got bad reviews at workouts and came back. So I think that's great. Um, I hope Jake crushes it at workouts. Selfishly, I'd love for him to be back. But if he goes to the workouts and dominates everybody in front of him and goes late first round, then I'll be happy for him either way. So, Steve, um, what's your, what's your, when you're looking at sort of like guys, when you're practicing against guys that are kind of going to the league, is it sort of thing you kind of know that this guy's going to the league or is it just guys sort of blossom? <laughs> like, what's it like? <laughs> I immediately think of JC's freshman year um, and, and seeing glimpses of it in practice because, you know, he wasn't getting a ton of minutes behind DT and, you know, some of the, the older guys on the roster. So then, you know, when he got his opportunity sophomore year, you know, really took full advantage of it, should have won ACC player of the year. We'll throw that out there. Um, but you could just, yeah, just, just move differently on the court. Uh, the work ethic was there. He, you know, he wanted to be wanted to be really good, and you know, had the the athleticism and the and the skills to kind of package it all up. So I know you two kind of are on different sort of paths through this, but we've seen the rise of the transfer portal. We know it helps people, know it hurts people. What are you guys' thoughts on where I guess basketball is right now with the portal? Um, I guess I'll start with this one because I actually transferred, so. Uh, it's a lot crazier now. Like it was crazy when I was doing it, but now that with like the one-time free pass, basically, it's unreal right now. But I think coaches have adapted to it. The only people that really get the short end of the stick, in my opinion, are high school kids. It makes it really, really hard for a high because why recruit a high schooler when I can go get a six-point-per-game guy from a big school to transfer down and be a 15-point-per-game guy for me? And I know. I've already seen what he's capable of at this level. I don't have to guess about high schoolers. Um, I think that's what also makes Coach Forbes so special because him and some some other, uh, of course, some other coaches around the country are really good at recruiting. Trail. The whole ACC was good at recruiting this year. Our half of our all conference teams were transfers. So, but Coach Forbes, being like a former JUCO college coach, he's really really good at recruiting transfers because he knows the process. JUCO kids are all basically trying to transfer out to a bigger, like, four-year institution. So I think that helps Coach Forbes a lot. And obviously our whole whole starting lineup was transfers. So <laughs> we've we benefited from a transfer portal. There's no way you go from winning, what do we win, seven games to winning six games, yeah. 20, winning six games to winning 25 without the transfer portal. Yeah, I think that ability to, to rebuild your roster on the fly and, you know, go from – go from a team that struggles one year to, you know, a legitimate contender in the next year is it's fascinating to watch. And as Tree said, only, only seems to be getting crazier with uh, LSU has, I believe all, all of their scholarship players have, have, now, have now left. Everything. Yeah. In case you're listening to this and you haven't been following uh, LSU lost every single player from their roster. Um, they will not have a single returning point score. No. <laughs> That but they already unreal. got they already got a couple of the guys from uh, from Murray State, right? Yeah, they got two coach. guys in, and they got a high schooler coming in too already. So it's not they're, they're not playing nothing with walk-ons, no, sir, coaches, but it's it's, it's they got the, it's they, got the, they got the Longwood transfer too. Oh no, he went to Georgia. That's what he is. In Georgia. So I mean, touching on Steve Forbes, you know, it's year two. 
let's kind of recap the season. How did, from just a observing standpoint, what did you like? What didn't you like from this past year? Hmm? Uh, comparing it from two years ago to this year, I loved everything. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, Forbes' offense is fun to watch. So more of like a five-out style, which is going to be interesting going back to guys that we have that aren't, aren't for sure returning yet. Uh, I think people underestimated Dallas's ability to stretch the floor and how that helped us this year. I was one of them. Yeah, he he didn't shoot a ton of them, but just the ability where you have to go out there and guard all five, it changes everything. It opened up lanes for Alondez. Jake's post up. We posted up Jake so much because Dallas and and Dream could hit shots. That makes a difference. And then, of course, my new favorite player, Damari. (laughs) (laughs) Green light. Never. Never seen a shot he doesn't like, and I'm, I'm here for it. Count me in. I don't want Damari shooting any wide open threes. Give me all tween, tween step backs. <laughs> yeah, give me the Brady Manic barbecue chicken to, to, to cap a 9-0 run at the Jewel. <laughs> no, but to echo what Tree said, I, you know, really appreciate the, the freedom that these guys are allowed to play with. You know, Alondis obviously was in a much different role at Oklahoma, but, you know, the, the ability for a guy like him to come in and, you know, the coaching staff to really trust him and say, hey, you know, we, we believe in your passing ability and, you know, let let him run the show and let guys like Damari, who, you know, coming off a, a major injury, step back in in ACC play. And, you know, that that guy can can shoot any shot because the, the, the coaching staff really trusts them. So I think that's uh, that's been really fun to watch, um, you know, kind of maybe a, a different perspective than, than we've seen in, in years past. So we also we also decided to play defense this year, which which helps. Um, we didn't. <laughs> it's funny we didn't that goes guard, a long way. We didn't guard very well two years ago. I think we were. I don't remember the exact number, but we were like bottom one hundred in Kempom, if not worse, um, defensively. Which another silent, like another sneaky shout out for Dallas protecting the rim. Um, it allowed us to be super aggressive up top. Uh, I wish we would have fouled a little bit less, but that's what comes with being aggressive. And we also got – I've never seen an ACC player of the year get as many bad calls as Holanda has got. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> no respect whatsoever from the officials. Yeah, I was about to say, I've, I've never seen a – I'm not going to lie, I've probably never seen an all-ACC guy get as bad of a whistle as Holanda has got. If, I wish Holanda would have got CJ or Cody's whistle. <laughs> oh, you know, you know uh, Cool Daddy C with the little – a little head throw back. <laughs> <laughs> so, my fault, Cam. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you go. I mean, I mean, actually, kind of something. Something I always always notice, and maybe it's just me being a fan. It feels like no matter what the last like five years, a team can be shooting like twelve percent from three, and then they come up against us and are shooting fifty percent that night. Is that just like a common thing? Does that just keep happening awake? Like, what's what's kind of going on there? <laughs> um. I think that Joel's a little bit of a shooter's gym. It didn't work that it didn't work that well for me, but <laughs> the Joel's definitely a shooter's gym. People usually shoot better at the Joel. Um, I guess the first one that comes to my mind is Ryan Kelly. No matter Ryan Kelly could be in the biggest slump of his life, but then he play Wake and literally average. I think he averaged like twenty six against Wake. So of course I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the gold. People just like the gold and want to try and light us up. Going in kind of a different direction on this, but a similar sentiment of, you know, teams shooting really well against us or, or guys having career nights on us. I think of, 
Tony Buckets from from uh, from NC State had a couple thirty point games on us in uh, in Raleigh, and then I I blame us for Duke winning the twenty fifteen national championship because Grayson Allen was playing very limited minutes, came in in a game at Cameron, got twenty, and then was a huge part of their team down the stretch. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to chalk it up to, but it does seem like we uh, we have a recent history of of guys really getting getting hot against us. Grace Allen had one sentence in the scout report, former All-American athletic, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, we literally, that's probably my, one of my least favorite things about playing at Wake is we literally created Grayson Allen. Correct. We had, we had TVH in there guarding him into the first half because we were in foul trouble. <laughs> we, tried, we tried everything. We threw everybody out there. Same thing with TJ Warren. We threw, we threw everybody. I, I think he had like 22 by the time I got in. And Coach B looks down the bench like, yo, Tree, you got to go cool him down. And I'm saying, all right, Coach B ain't no cooling down 22 in the first half. And it was all free throw lining in. It was floaters and mid-ranges just, just killing you. He didn't even really shoot threes. Oh, so that was that was bubble TJ Warren before it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Yep, saw it up close and personal. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. So, um, I mean, we've, we've all seen what we like from this year and we don't know exactly who's coming back, but I mean, you know, with, with what we have right now, what do you want to see from the portal high school recruiting sort of leading in next year to sort of make that next step of making the tournament? So it's, there's not, I mean, this year, you know, Wake had a good argument of making it, but I think there's definitely a place they could, they could have improved to help. What do you want to see more of next year? Um, so of course you got to replace a Londres, which is, huge that's our leading points guy our leading assist guy like our third leading rebounder um replacing alondez is going to be tough honestly that we won't replace alondez right. we're just going to need people yeah, to that'll have up. to be committee i'm about to say we'll need we'll need damari to be even better um literally everybody we need cam i think cam's going to be a bright spot for us next year uh i think his development he gave us great minutes season. down the stretch yeah i, I was going to say i was <laughs> Unfortunately, in person for the uh, for the Boston College ACC tournament game, but he gave us about ten minutes there where he, we really righted the ship. Was playing great defense, handling the ball, getting us into sets. He's a, he's a tough kid, so like for him not to be like super brawlic or really really strong, he gets after it. Like he'll get in there and bang. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over, which was big for us because it seemed like anytime we were struggling with turnovers, we throw Cam in and he kind of. Oddly enough, being a freshman, he'd be the one to kind of settle us down because he wouldn't do too much. Yeah, I would say the um, biggest thing, and and I think Forbes touched on it in, in one of the end-of-season press conferences, but just taking better care of the ball because I think in the, the games that got out of hand or the games that we lost or were never really in, it was, you know, our, our inability to, to just get shots because when we got shots, we were very effective scoring the ball, but when you're uh, when you're not even getting those opportunities because you're turning it over and being a little bit careless with the ball, that definitely uh, hamstrung us a little bit. Um, I think from the portal, we're gonna have to get bigs. 
we, we need we need a lot of size. Uh, obviously, we still have some impending decisions, but we know we're losing Dream, who is huge for us. Again, another transfer that was vital for our season. Um, Matt Marsh was a bright spot. Uh, I didn't know what to expect from Matt, and I, I mean that in the most respectful way possible. I had I didn't think he would I didn't think he would play at all, but when he got in, he played really well for us. And then by the end of the year, I was. I used to get excited when I saw him going to the table. So kudos to him. Tree, I, I don't know if you know this. You probably you probably do because you you've been at a, a bunch of games recently. But I I was at the practice the weekend I was in town for the Louisville game, and Marsh's brothers were in town, and they're they're like the Jokic brothers light. They roll oh, really? they roll deep. They're like six eight big dudes. Uh, you you told me they're uh, they're bodybuilders. So that's why I mean you see the physique, it makes sense. Okay. Right, let me let me let me redact my statement then. <laughs> it's circled back around to that one. I don't, we don't need any Marcus brother Jokic, Jokic brothers problems for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, talking about that, like, what's it been like with Forbes coming in? Has he made like a concerted effort to bring older guys back into in the fold, kind of get you guys to the to the school? Like, what's that been like so like so far? <laughs> uh, he had a he had a Zoom call when we. When like when he first got hired, they did like an alumni zone call for like basketball players, and I feel like all coaches like kind of do that. Like it's like the it's like the that right after you get hired a press conference when every coach in the country says we're gonna change the culture. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, so I feel like he had to do that. Like it's always want to change the culture, but we want to bring our alumni back. But Forbes and and the rest of the coaches have, and shout out to my guy Coach Muse. They go out of the way to make sure alumni stayed involved. Um, they call all the time. They invite us to practices, invite us to games. Um, they do all of the little things that you would want your your alum, your alma mater's coaching staff to do for you. Absolutely, yeah. Good, good point to shout out Mike Muse. He is he is the man. Had us had us sitting in a in a suite at the Joel from the oh. end of the bench to a suite. So how do I go. get into this? <laughs> Hit, hit up Mike Muse. He'll take care of anybody. He's 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 the best. I'm gonna say Coach Muse is the nicest nicest man and probably one of the nicest people on Wake Forest campus. It's like him and Dean Shore in like a nice off contest. But yeah, the whole the whole staff super welcoming. You know the the number of practices that I've attended when being back in Winston, they're you know super friendly. You know willing willing to engage with you know guys that obviously weren't weren't on the team or weren't at the school when when they were uh, you know in in the jobs. But they're yeah great group of guys. So kind of circling back towards the portal, and I know, Tree, you said it hurts the the freshmen. You know, we look at sort of – we look at these teams that are really rebuilding through the portal. Is there, like, a preferred approach that you guys think about when you when you want to build a school, when you think about building a school? Do you want to go through the portal? Do you want to focus more on high schoolers? Like, what kind of – what sort of path do you want your school to, to really go down? And is there a right or wrong path there? <laughs> um. I think it just depends on you because you can – or it depends on your staff, more to, more to speak. Um, every coach in the country would love to get get six freshmen that can contribute right away, but that's, that's just not how it works unless, unless you recruit – I don't know, unless you got a class like Duke's incoming class or a class like Coach Calipari brings in it. Yeah, like those, those are – then you want to bring in five four-year guys, but those aren't four-year guys. Those guys – if they don't pan out after year one, they transfer because it's another six guys coming in behind them. Right. I think for us, and I'm just going off Coach Forbes' history, we're going to be big on – I think we're going to be big on the portal again this year. 
we're going to try and run it back with the portal. But it's a mixture of bringing in old guys in the portal and bringing in young guys in the portal. So the the Jakes who still have years left to play, the the when we got Davian to come over and when Damari. So guys, you can tra- you can recruit the portal and still get young guys is kind of what I want to emphasize. Yeah, just making making that notation that there's a big difference in, you know, grabbing a grad transfer that's going to be at Wake for one year versus like we were talking about, you know, guys that have two, three years of eligibility left. And it's more like a, a high school recruit at that point because you're, you know, getting getting more out of it than just the one year. Um, so something that I know has been kind of a hot topic on the Wake boards has been mid-majors and their role in the NCAA tournament. It's a lot, it's a lot of flack when – Wyoming got in over uh, over Wake when a team like Boise State, et cetera, and they all kind of lost first round. I know you guys kind of watch a, a lot of basketball. Is there is there, I don't want to say, is there a right to be sort of classist and sort of, and you're looking at a P5 or, or P6 versus a mid-major, or can you really sum things up by like one game in the NCAA tournament about someone's season? The Mountain West Conference was trash. <laughs> All right, I just had to get that off my chest. Um, no, the Mountain West Conference wasn't trash, but their quad one wins were all against each other. So I think, I think the committee gets stuck on like quad one and quad two, like. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. But we beat Carolina by twenty six, and it didn't count as a quad one win because we were in Winston, and now they're playing for their the national championship. So, um, I think it's okay to be classes, but I think there's a level to it. So we don't want to turn into the Big Ten. So everybody goes on every year about how good the Big Ten is. The Big Ten is right. this, the Big Ten is that. <laughs> and then they get they run into schools from the ACC and, and from the Big 12 and get smacked because they weren't as good. So they get the overhype and then the ACC gets the other because everybody expects the ACC to be number one team in the country, number seven team in the country, number nine team in the country. They expect that. So – when we get a year where we only got two ranked teams or even at times one ranked team, everybody says it's a down year. And it's like, no, it's just a lot more parity in our league because everybody's kind of blooming late. We had 40 transfers in our conference. Yeah, I think um, I think it's maybe gone a little bit too far. I certainly appreciate that, you know, mid-majors are getting love. As, as, as Tree knows from his days in the MAC, there, you know, there's, there's there some go. great mid-major hoop out there. Shout out. Shout Iowa. out St. Peter's. Thank you, Iona, baby. Shout out to Matt. But, but at the same time, I think Tree's right that, you know, in a year like this where the typical, I mean, besides Duke, the typical powers in the ACC weren't, you know, the top teams in the ACC. Right. And you don't have these ranked teams. You don't have, you know, Carolina ranked all year. Um, just the comparison to what the ACC is historically, I think, hurt the, the overall narrative of the league. We got only two more questions. We're not going to keep you guys too long. First, what does the ACC kind of have to do to reclaim sort of that title? I mean, it's kind of felt like the last few years, the big 10 has been quote unquote, the best team in the conference and the big 12 has had some good teams, but what do they have to do, I guess, to get that media respect back? You know, I know I'm part of it too, but what do they have to need to do on the court? Um, I I think next year it'll be, I haven't looked so much into everybody else, but I think we'll be, we'll be good again. And obviously it's a lot of question marks for us, but I think, I think it's okay for us to expect to win, want to win 20 games again next year. And I think that's an okay expectation. Um, obviously, we're gonna have to do some work in the portal, but Carolina's not gonna Carolina's not gonna get much worse if they get any worse at all. Obviously, 
again, they have work to do in the portal as well. But um, I think the ACC will be fine. We got enough. The media, I feel like they, they jump on bandwagons. So usually everybody's ACC is the best conference in basketball, blah, 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 blah. And this year it just happened to be the Big Ten. Next year it'll be back to status quo, I think, and it'll be, okay, let's give the ACC some time. I mean, I'm just trying to picture what the takes are going to be after uh, if Carolina wins tomorrow night <laughs> and, and the down year for the ACC ends with another ACC, you know, national champion. I don't, I don't know that there's going to be much to be done. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know that the, the big media guys, they've been they've been saying, given all the excuses instead of apologizing for being wrong about the ACC. And I'm, I'm sure now, even now, they have to kind of do it. What we do, put three teams in the Sweet 16? Yeah. Um, the Big Ten put how many teams in the Sweet 16? Did they get any? I think it was Purdue. Three in the, three in the Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah, three three eight. I think Purdue, yeah, Purdue yeah. got to, what, the Elite Eight, and that was it? I thought they – no, they lost in the Sweet 16. That's what, yeah, so they got Sweet 16 yeah, so. to St. Peter's, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, the mighty, mighty Big Ten got losses to the MAC and to – to the ACC, they lost to every conference except for themselves. So, um, and their only wins came against what the Mountain West Conference. Jesus, back to them. <laughs> it all comes so, back. Uh, I, think, I think that I think the ACC will be fine. I think the media will be a little bit more scared to go go on record and say the ACC is going to suck next year because they don't want it to end up like this year. I thought it was I'm interesting to hear Forbes and uh, go ahead, Tree. Sorry, a dude just walked by me with a Colorado State basketball shirt on. <laughs> you're, you're just getting trolled on the, on the job right now. Yeah, they're literally just, just, just stunting on my grave because they all made the tournament. <laughs> I was just going to say, I thought it was interesting end of the year to hear Forbes and Laranega talk about, you know, needing needing more support from the media to, you know, combat the, you know, slow start narrative and, you know, that there were a lot of quality teams in the league and, you know, it might have looked different, you know, with with Notre Dame and Miami being top of the conference. But, you know, it didn't mean that the uh, the level of play had had dropped, you know, as as much as people were were claiming that it did. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely someone that's guilty of that. And, you know, like hats off and like Notre Dame was a good team. Miami was a good team. Wake was a good team. I mean, last question here. What's one game you want to relive that you that you, you got to you got to the whether it was in person, you played in it, what's one 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 memory from Wake you want back? <laughs> um want back. Can we have well I didn't play in it, but can we have the can we have the Duke game from this year back? Can we yeah. get a goaltending and call on Mark Williams? <laughs> I don't I I truly don't know if it was a goaltending or not, but if I could if I could take that back. And have a win over us, having a win over Coach K in his final game where they had a 12-point lead and blew it would have been – I would have paid a lot. I would have paid a lot of money to go back and relive that. Sublime. <laughs> tree, Tree, this one this one uh, is, is going to stick with us forever, but the Virginia game. Oh, my God. That is, that is, that is a, a hole in our hearts that we'll never get back. Which, which one? <laughs> That's the the one we were up. The one we were up 12 with like five minutes to play and, and lost on a bank shot. From the corner. How do you bank I, from I, the corner? <laughs> I, 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 see, I see you that one, SP, and I'll raise you. I wish we could go back and relive the – redo the massacre and not lose by 50 and only score like 30 points. Or, or the one where we were down one in Charlottesville, had the ball, 
couldn't get a shot. <laughs> Malcolm, not, Malcolm not Brogdon believe. locked us up. Look, I'm on a podcast talking about you right now. <laughs> look, look who in the building. What's good? Oh, hello, is that BJ? <laughs> What's going yeah, on? We, we sitting on a podcast talking about the <laughs> season and what we want to see for next year. Uh, for those hey, that, that, aren't, that aren't watching this, um, that BJ McKee just made a <laughs> just made a cameo appearance in the Charlotte airport. I'm assuming getting back from the Final Four. <laughs> hey, better yeah, than another Mountain play. West fan. Yeah, no. <laughs> he just he just flew back from New Orleans. The great thing is, I was talking to him like two days ago. So randomly enough, there's our cameo for the day. We already got we already got SP one legend, and then we, we get blessed with two. Hardly. <laughs> uh, this has been a lot of fun, guys. I really appreciate you guys uh, coming on the podcast. Um, you guys are always welcome here. Um, I'm sure you guys will always be at games here, whether it's on Steve, you're up in New York right now, right? Yep. So you'll be, you'll be around. Tree's always around or, or always on the flight. Yeah. I'll, I'll, Tree's I'll never at, too far away. He flies free. Say, hope, hopefully I'll be at <laughs> Tree Flies Free, the hashtag. Hopefully I'll be at double the amount of games this year. Um, I'm, baseball is my next, my next sport to go watch in person. So try I'll be around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch, catch me at the couch, man, with a Deacon <laughs> Brewer hand. Probably two, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for being on here. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's day. All right. Appreciate it, Cam. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.